Hey, hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Williams, and you're listening to Honestly, You're Doing Fine. episode elitist Montessori and the reason is twofold I mean obviously we're going to be talking about Montessori here in addition to other things as well but also if you've noticed the trend of Montessori being super duper popular these days um, it's not it's not just a early childhood education program now it's it's like a noun a verb an adjective used in all the different ways it's a really common thing to plug into a search engine to get a certain aesthetic or variety of toys, so on and so forth. And so it's a little bit of a social experiment to see how many more clicks and plays this podcast episode gets just because it has the name Montessori in it. That's just one of the main takeaways. So we're going to do a little bit of a dive into the history behind Montessori, the history behind Waldorf. The history behind Reggio Emilia, which are three of like the top early childhood education kind of philosophies that exist these days. And they're all gaining a tremendous amount of popularity. And with that, with the demand, the want of those kind of education programs, comes limited access to them and higher tuition costs. And it's really quite interesting. If you look into the history, you'll see that these programs were not created for the people or intended for the people that have access to them today. But the best thing we can do is educate ourselves on it. And if you have any kind of takeaway from this episode today, it's that whatever program your kid is in currently, don't compare it to some other elitist, you know, hyped up program. Whatever your kid is in, as long as it has, you know, safe teachers, it's a safe environment, it's more child play like child-led and play-based at the young young age of like preschool and under it's probably fine honestly you are doing fine um don't feel some kind of way because you can't afford your neighbor's same tuition rates for their fancy school okay as a nanny i've seen it all i've definitely noticed the trend of if i brought up montessori and being a montessori inspired nanny and caregiver during interviews i was more likely to get a job And that's just interesting, especially considering a lot of the families I interviewed didn't practice those kind of principles in their house. They just kind of liked the aesthetic that came with Montessori. Starting with Montessori, this is based off of an actual person, a woman named Maria Montessori, a long, long time ago in like 1906, if we're being exact. She cultivated this program. She was approached hey, can you make this program for this really disadvantaged area in Rome? And she was like, yeah, I can do that. She took a bunch of kids from varying backgrounds, all in a very poor area, unschooled children, families lacking resources, and she created a school for for them. The main principles were things like independence, observation, following the child, which you've probably heard. You probably have seen it on like some, I don't know, pretty banner on Etsy that's Seventy-five dollars, you know. Um, what else? A prepared environment. If you've seen the little trays, the little wooden trays that have a pre-prepared activity on them, that's something really simple, like I don't know, putting a coin into a jar with a little slot at the top. Like simple, simple 
little things. Uh, the absorbent mind is another piece of this too. Those are like the key principles of the Montessori philosophy. And we love that. All of those things are really, really great. This program is super effective, developmentally appropriate, because it was created by this woman who was not only an educator, but a scientist and a physician. And so it was more of a holistic program, whatever. We love Montessori. We think it's great. What it stands for is amazing. However, however, think of who in your community has access and can afford a Montessori school, not the same population it was created for, right? Okay, so moving on, and we'll come back to this, to Waldorf. Very, very similar here, okay? Except instead of a woman, this was a man called Rudolf Steiner, and instead of a physician, scientist, educator, he was coined uh, a scientist and a thinker, whatever that means, okay? But again, he was approached, hey, can you make this school? This is a little bit different because it honestly kind of cool and I wish that this existed in today's society. The Waldorf cigarette factory in Germany, the guy who owned it was like, hey, I want you to make this school for all of the kids of the workers for this factory. Built-in childcare for the workers. That's a fantastic idea. Really very supportive of the community, the village. Okay? And this was like a post-war situation. Things were really, really bad in Germany at the time. You know, talking like socially, politically, economically, people were not doing well. Okay, And again, this is a very poor area, very disadvantaged area. And Rudolf Steiner's job was to create a school to help them. It did. And it was hugely successful, which is why it exists today. Uh, the core like principles of Waldorf are things like the image of the human being, child development, social change through education, human relationships, access to diversity, which again is interesting thinking of who can afford and have access to a Waldorf education these days, uh, collaborative leadership, uh, schools as learning communities. Those are the main pieces of it. And again, very interesting that an elitist kind of education these days it was not the same when it was first implemented into the society that it was implemented into for the people that lacked resources, that lacked education, that needed this, okay? And then, lastly, but similarly, we have Reggio Emilia, another super interesting history. 1806, the Reggio Emilia chapter of a charitable financial institution, they opened a preschool for the kids living there in poverty. Again, we have impoverished children, impoverished families, lacking resources, and they opened this preschool there. It was shortly closed by a fascist regime, and following that, the Italian Women's Union opened more of the preschools, the Reggio Emilia preschools, and ran them. They built them from the ground up, like literally from the ground up, built them pulling logs with horses, that kind of a thing. Okay. So again, a very important educational system was instilled into a community that desperately needed it and benefited from it. And the key principles of 
Reggio Emilia are things like children are the protagonist of their own story and education. The hundred languages, which is like, how do I explain this? It's, it's some kind of phrase you can look it up, but it's about like inclusiveness and participation, designing, organization, care of your environment and spaces, learning as a process of construction, educational research, professional growth of the staff, the people that are caring for the kids, uh, educational documentation, so like kids can see what they're creating and look back on it and feel proud about it, and evaluation, so checking in and, you know, seeing how things are going and moving from there. Those are the key principles of Reggio Emilia. If we're to compare the three different philosophies, I would say Montessori's at the top with like being just a little bit more stringent. Um, things are supposed to be done in a more specific manner. Uh, the rules are a little bit more tight. The teachers at the Montessori schools have to be trained in a particular way, so on and so forth. Uh, activities are considered work and the emphasis is on everyday tasks, you know? Waldorf, very similar, like more child-led play, but I would say Waldorf is the more whimsical of the bunch. Uh, we love, hmm, we love playing with silk scarves and we love singing songs and doing uh, daily rhythms and celebrations and creative play imaginative play. Uh, a good comparison that I've often heard is if you're looking at a book about a hippo and the hippo's green, it's probably a Waldorf book. If the hippo's purple or gray, it's probably a Montessori book because we like things to be a bit more factual in the, Mon in the Montessori approach. Waldorf, whimsical. Reggio Emilia, I kind of always considered right there in the middle of the two, like a happy medium. It's less structured, less strict. There's still an emphasis about play-based, child-led. And in general, if you see a school and you look at their hmm, and you look at their curriculum or their about me, they would either be called a Waldorf school or a Montessori school. But with Reggio Emilia, it's usually like it's usually phrased in a way that it's a Reggio Emilia approach. So there's a school, there's a preschool program, and the preschool program follows a Reggio Emilia approach, but it's not called a Reggio Emilia school. So it's a little bit different there. However, however, the one big common thread that these three approaches have is that if you go to a school that practices any of their particular philosophies, you're probably paying a bit more. When it comes to Montessori, there are lots and lots of Montessori schools these days. They're in my community, like, oh gosh, just a dozen or probably a dozen. We'll say a dozen. There's one single Waldorf school, and then there's a bunch of programs some of which might follow a Reggio Emilia-inspired curriculum, for example. So let's talk about, like, the actual price of this and then of the actual school. 
like going to school, sending your kid to a Montessori or Waldorf or Reggie Amelia school. And then all of the different hmm, ways in which this goes from being an education to a whole life aesthetic. Okay. Which I'm sure we have social media to blame for that. But with Montessori, like I said, lots of Montessori schools. To give you an example, when I looked up I looked up prices in my local area for these, so it's going to vary, uh, for example, or for comparison's sake, I live in not a major city, but like I'm a Pittsburgher, you know. So with Montessori, a lot of the programs I was seeing, the half day for like a toddler program is about $8,000 a year. And then an all-day program is closer to the $15,000 range for the whole year. And if you really break that down, like you're not paying for the 12 months in a year. You're paying for like nine months-ish. So at least $800 a month. And we're talking like for the half-day program, you know, it's not even a full week, full workday situation. And that's the base cost. With Waldorf, very similar in prices, at least where I live, but half day, for example, which again, it's only Wednesday to Friday, it's $7,500-ish. And then for a full day kindergarten program, it's closer to the $14,000 range. And then on top of that, at least for the one near us, it is $50 for the application. Like, you don't even know if you're getting in, but you have to put money down to see if they accept your kid. And then there's a matriculation fee, whatever. I think that's for materials and supplies, which is odd because why wouldn't that be part of the tuition? So we just like tacking on prices at a certain point, I guess. And then with Reggie Amelia, it's hard to say to give you a price comparison just because, like I said, there's no Reggio Amelia school right? It's all these different programs. Uh, some are more expensive than others, and some follow Reggio Emilia a little more closely than others. So it's really going to be you doing your research and finding something that kind of aligns. However, everything is expensive, and everything has a wait list right now. And especially, especially with these specific programs, which is unfortunate. To give you an example, when my toddler started walking, like shortly after he started walking, he was, we started putting him on wait list and I started with Montessori and I did Waldorf and all that. And oh my goodness, I don't even know. A year and a half, two years later, we finally started getting calls. He's already in a preschool program somewhere else, not a Montessori school. I didn't end up going that route, but I'm still getting calls like, hey, you're on our wait list from years ago. And that's a picture of like how in demand these schools are. The Montessori ones especially. Now, of course, we only have one Waldorf school here. And as whimsical and lovely as it seemed, my personal experience was, mm, and with all of these programs I noticed, when I saw myself in a room with all the other parents there, I noticed that most of them were a bit, like a little bit older than me and looked just a little bit more well off than me. And even in the preschool that our son did get into, um, on the first day, we looked around and realized it's not very diverse. 
almost every single student in that school is white. And we kind of hoped for a little bit more diversity for him. But it gives you a clear example of the kind of communities that these quote-unquote nicer preschools or, again, quote-unquote fancier curriculums, only a certain demographic of people have access to them. And usually with that comes money. It's something to keep in mind. It's a weird downfall to think of. You find this school that your kid is going to thrive in that has a super cool curriculum and they do things in a special way and maybe it is Montessori and then the downfall is maybe that your kid can't do as many extracurriculars because you're spending all your money um, on tuition or the demographic of people is not very diverse. And so there are drawbacks on top of just the cost which I say for most people is the biggest one. Um, some of the other cons, I'll just do a little quick con section here. Some of the other cons are that these are typically more of a loose curriculum. They're a little bit more open-ended, all three of them. That is good and that is bad. If you know that it will segue well into whatever school your kid is going on for going into for you know elementary or middle or high school then that's fine but I have talked to people who have done you know Montessori for preschool for kindergarten and then their kid goes into the public school program for example and they're just on a different playing field than their peers that's a common thing that happens that you think about that your kid might have a little bit of an adjustment period about and then Another con is gatekeeping. So gatekeeping of prices is a really big thing with these kind of schools. It's honestly. So on top of only a certain amount, like a certain amount of people getting into these programs uh, of a certain demographic and a certain kind of privileged area, most likely, to even get access to what it might cost for your kid to maybe hypothetically go to this school, you have to do some digging. They don't have them on the websites. Uh, out of all the Montessori schools I looked at, only one had the tuition prices posted. The Waldorf school had the tuition prices posted. But a lot of centers these days, a lot of daycares, a lot of preschools, you have to call, maybe leave a voicemail, maybe get a call back in two days from then to finally get some kind of image of what you might be paying for. It's quite ridiculous. So on top of things being expensive, uh, not super easy to access, there's also the the time and resources aspect of this where like not everybody has an hour to take out of their day to hunt down a preschool tuition cost. It's really quite ridiculous when you think about it. Your kid can only attend these schools for so long. So some Waldorf schools go all the way up to graduation. Some Montessori schools go from infancy all the way up to graduation again. Uh, some don't. Some are just for preschool or some are for preschool and kindergarten and similarly for Reggio Amelia. But it's not just school where this stuff comes into play. Especially, especially when it comes to Montessori. It's a whole lifestyle and aesthetic. There are the wooden tools, the natural materials, the pickler triangles, the love every play kits, etc., etc., so on and so forth. And those things are lovely. Those things are great. We love our kids to play with more natural materials. But the weird thing is, again, that these things are pricey. 
and there are all kinds of toy companies and Etsy shops dedicated to Montessori-specific type toys that really benefit from the marketing that the word Montessori does for them. So not only do your kids not have access to this fancy quality education, they also can't get the fancy quality toys or whatever. But the thing is, again, bring it back to the beginning in the history of these schools and who they were intended for, you know that the kids in those impoverished areas and these brand new schools were not playing with these fancy block sets and these love every play kits. They were probably playing with sticks and leaves, especially if you look at Waldorf, like there's a lot of playing with natural materials, using scraps of fabric to make little dolls, that kind of stuff, or reusing materials. Not everything is new and shiny and costs $50 for like a simple wooden play set. Just keep that in mind as you're shopping around. And when it comes to continuing these kind of philosophies beyond your kids' schooling, one of the biggest complaints I've heard from Montessori teachers that I've that I've chatted with over the years is that there's this common thing that they see where the parent gets really excited about the school, really excited about putting their kid in this program. They think it's going to benefit them. They like the principles, the philosophy. However, they don't follow any of that kind of stuff in their own home. So the kid goes to a program, benefits for a little bit, and then comes back home and like everything they learned goes out the window. Or they're not following the same kind of rules or structure. And so the child doesn't get the full benefit that they would if if their home life was also Montessori-inspired, you know? But then you can also go way too far with it where everything in your house is Montessori and uh, it becomes this standard that you have to uphold and it becomes a little bit impossible, right? Not everything needs to be 100% Montessori or Waldorf or Reggio Emilia. I think the biggest thing you can learn from digging into these different kind of philosophies is that you can take bits and pieces and your child can benefit from just those bits and pieces. The biggest thing for kids is not some fancy curriculum. It's not these fancy perfectly cultivated toys that are developmentally appropriate for whatever age range they're in. It's more about setting a structure, being compassionate, and then also being consistent. So whatever you stick with or whatever principles you pull from Reggio Emilia or whatever principles you pull from Waldorf, as long as you are staying consistent with those couple things that you might agree with, you're probably doing fine. It's more about the consistency than it is about doing all of these things perfectly, you know? But we also have to consider people who homeschool and when they are picking their curriculums because this goes into there as well. If you are picking out a curriculum kit, from what I've heard, the more, um, the more closely it follows a Montessori approach, the more the price tag goes up. So... I've talked about Montessori a lot and my interest in it over the years, and my family's picked up on that. And my my mother casually mentioned the other day, oh, you went to a Montessori school. And I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? And so I called her up and asked her about it, 
And it turns out it was like a loosely Montessori-based school. But this was, this was back in the 90s, right? And so I had lots of questions about, like, how much did this cost? Who had access to this? Was it an official Montessori program? And what I've gathered is that it was something of a playgroup, a uh, couple hours a week, usually on Mondays. And it was entirely community-based. And I bring this up for a couple reasons. One, because this is kind of how these programs were like intended in the beginning. And two, this is an example of like the village that doesn't exist anymore because I don't know of programs that exist like this anymore. So this is more of a mommy and me kind of play group, meaning it was similarly to like Reggio Emilia, made up completely from the ground up from women of the community that would bring all their kids together every Monday and read a book and do a craft and make homemade play-doh and do snack and do circle time and teach them songs and like there was an emphasis on cleaning up after yourself and they did things like unit studies so doing circle time on some kind of theme and then also picking a book or craft to correlate with that there was sensory play there was painting there weren't specific Montessori-esque toys but it was more about like, a kid would bring a toy from their house to share and then that would rotate to all the different kids. They had it broken up kind of similar to Montessori where there was like two and a half to three and a half age range and they were all together and then there was like a three and a half to five year program which is similar to like the mixed age group thing that Mon Montessori does. This structure within the community of these mommy me playgroup folks <laughs> They were very organized. They had a president, vice president, secretary. Um, they scheduled monthly field trips. And the most interesting thing is that this was free. It was a free program, which honestly makes sense because you are like doing all the work yourself within your community and these other mothers, and you have to be present for this program. However, as I was doing some digging to see if something like this existed today, I found that there is something that exists kind of like this today. It's through a school, but it is like a mommy and me or a parent and me, so to speak, kind of program. And it is through the Waldorf school, except the difference is that it's one day a week and for like a eight to 10 week session, it's 170 to $220. Like you have to be present and they create the curriculum and the activities or whatever, but you still have to be there and you're still paying like a decent amount of money. So just kind of interesting. Um, another preschool program I was involved in as a kid that I was asking her about was, again, I don't know if this exists, but it's another kind of village thing. It was another free program, but you would take your kid to the local high school and the kids in the high school that were in the like early childhood development class they were running the preschool out of the high school, obviously being overseen by teachers, etc. But that was like a free source of childcare, daycare, preschool that existed that was locally community sourced. I think that about covers it. I really just wanted to shine a light on how it's so much more important to to just spend time with your kids, to just enjoy activities with them, and to be consistent. So much more important 
to do all those things than it is to have them playing with the perfect toy set, you know, or attending the perfect school. Every school, every program has drawbacks, no matter what the price tag is on it. Everything seems great on paper until you're actually in it, so on and so forth. Whatever you looked into for your kid and you signed them up for because you were excited about, doesn't matter what the philosophy name of it is. As long as you feel good about it, you are doing fine. So that's it. Thank you.